0: Welcome to the Fit for the Future podcast, which helps you navigate this fast-changing world by bringing you ideas, information, interviews, and insights for being fit for the future. Here's your host, Gihan Pereira. Well, let me start by saying, wow, of course, a hot topic of conversation everywhere is the spread of this novel coronavirus and the illness that it causes, COVID-19. It's, it's, it's causing more uncertainty and anxiety than anything else I've ever seen, and I've never seen anything. As disruptive as COVID-19, and the, and the impact it's having on our lives, and and this partly is because it's a global impact; it's at a global scale, and it's this virus which is invisible, but we know it's spreading through our communities, and unless we do something about it, it's going to have a terrible impact on our society, and. And as you might know, I often work with people who are facing disruption and massive changes in their lives, in their organizations, and their industries, and sometimes the change could have been predicted, sometimes it couldn't, but it always causes stress and anxiety. Look, One of the reasons for that is that we like to know what's safe and unsafe in our lives. As we go through life, we classify things as safe or unsafe. And, And most of the things we do every day, we know are generally safe. We can turn on the lights, we can drive to work, we can eat out, we can let our supplies of toilet paper run low, knowing that we can go out anytime we want to and replenish them. So those are things that we just take for granted that they're safe and we we also know that there's some things that are unsafe like touching exposed wires and crossing the road without checking for traffic, drink driving and we like to think that we're pretty good at dividing our world into safe and unsafe and we keep doing what's safe, we avoid what's unsafe and everything's fine, right? Unfortunately, That's not the way the world works. And uh, in addition to these two neat categories, there's a grey murky area between them, which is the unknown. And we don't like the unknown. It might be safe, it might be unsafe, but we just don't know. And what this new coronavirus and the COVID-19 illness have done is it's suddenly taken things that were we always thought of as safe, but now they're potentially unsafe. And the real problem is we don't know really what's safe anymore and we don't even know where the unknown is because it's this invisible thing that if we knew about it we might choose to avoid it but because we don't know what it is we're just caught in this quandary, this dilemma, is it safe or unsafe. And so that's why we're seeing so much stress, anxiety and irrational behaviour. And we're all in the midst of this global crisis, and even though we know it's only temporary, nobody really knows how it's going to pan out. Even the experts don't know, so we've just got to navigate our way through it. Now, I don't want to make this all about doom and gloom. There are some things that we can do at a very practical level, and I want to focus on one of them. Because many organisations at the moment are already planning to ask their people to work from home. It may have even happened and I think that's wise, because it's only a matter of time before it gets enforced. And and you may choose to do it, or you may be forced to do it, but either way, it raises challenges. Now, for some groups, working from home is a normal part of their work style. And if you're leading and managing a team where some of the people or all of the people are working from home, you've probably already got this covered. But if you're not, then it can be a real challenge for you. And so today, I want to talk about As a leader and manager, if you're suddenly faced with a situation where your team now has to work from home, and that includes you as well, then what do you need to do to make that work effectively? Now, I ran an online presentation about this recently, and I want to share with you the content of that presentation. So what I've done is I've extracted the audio from that, and I'm going to share it with you here. I hope you find it useful, especially if you're thinking about your team working from home for the first time. Hello, folks. It's Gihan Pereira here, and I want to talk about, given these crazy times that we're living in, and uh, the way that the world is changing. One of the things that's happening in many work uh, workforces and workplaces now is people moving. Working from home, and if you've never done it before, it can be quite challenging. Now, there's some workplaces that have been doing it for years, and for them, it's easier, but for a lot of people, it's this is the first time you're doing it, and it can be quite a challenge. So, I want to take you through some of the challenges that you might face as a leader or manager when you've got your workforce working from home for the first time. For people who don't know me, my name is Gihan Pereira, I'm a futurist, and uh, I I just help people. First of all, understand what's around the corner and then deal with uh, what's already happening so that they can be better prepared for the future. And of course, today, it's more in that latter category. So uh, I'm also an author. I've written a number of books. Uh, almost a decade ago, I wrote this book, Fast, Flat and Free, when the Internet was um, first uh, becoming really commercial and mainstream and people were looking at how do we take advantage of it. But five years ago, I wrote a book about leadership, the future of leadership. And then last year I wrote this book, Disruption by Design. And I think that we're having more disruption the the biggest disruptive event uh, than anything else that I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. And, you know, people wonder why, well, could we have predicted this coronavirus and COVID-19? And actually, if you look at Bill Gates and a TED talk that he gave five years ago um, after the Ebola outbreak, uh, he should, if you watch the talk, which goes for less than 10 minutes, uh, you'd think, wow, he was so... Um, prescient in seeing what would happen with the next outbreak and if you if you watch it you say he's talking about coronavirus five years ago so it's uh he was talking about things that we could do to mitigate it five years ago now obviously we can't go back into the past but what we can do is look at the future so one of my favorite quotations is from Tolkien and uh, in the book The Hobbit he says this if you've got a if you've got live dragons somewhere uh, somewhere near you and uh, in your future it's a pretty good idea to take them into account when you're doing your planning and uh, one of the biggest live dragons we've got at the moment of course is the idea that people are going to be working from home because um, either by choice or that, that may be enforced on you. So let's look at some of the challenges that you might face when you are working from uh, when, when your team is working from home. And this is for, for you from a leadership viewpoint so that you can prepare for it and actually make it happen. I run a program called Leading a Remote Team you probably won't be surprised to know that it's an online program so I've taken little bits and pieces from that program for this session so that I can um, I can share with you a, a few ideas but rather than me trying to give you everything uh, what I thought I'd do is pick a couple of the ideas so that uh, so that you can get something really useful and really worthwhile from the um from this session rather than me just giving an overview and nothing practical. So expect some practical stuff. The, the program, we talk about three things like creating the right place that people working from home need to have the right place in their home, uh, f- uh, finding the right, uh, the, the right time, which is all about productivity, and then the right team, which is all about collaboration and how you make that work effectively when you've got your team that's working from home. Okay, so we're going to get to some practical things, but I also want to say that I reckon this is perhaps an opportunity for many organisations that we've been forced to do it now, but it's one of those things that employees are wanting. Um, A Robert Half survey in 2018 said that almost half of Australian workers if they had more flexibility in their working hours, they'd be willing to accept a pay cut for that. And in the same survey, they said that if they could work from home, sometimes, again, they'd be willing to accept a pay cut. Now, they certainly weren't expecting it under the circumstances we're facing now, but it's one of those things that when you set it up, you set up for the future as well. Uh, and as I mentioned, the books that I've, that I've written and published, uh, um, I've kind of been tracking this idea for a long time. And uh, about the same time that I published Fast, Flat and Free, a colleague and I, Chris Pudney, we wrote this book about employees working from home. So how can you be out of office and use the internet at the time? The whole idea of cloud technology was very basic. There weren't that many VPNs. The idea of people working away from an office wasn't new. But we wrote this book to help people and persuade and encourage their, their bosses to be able to work from home. And Google did some research into what makes a high-performance team. Now, this has nothing to do with working from home, nothing to do with remote work. They looked at what are the things that boost uh, performance in our teams. And they came up with five things, which I'm going to share with you. We all know that we shouldn't trust everything that Google says. However, let me share with you what Google said. And Google said that the three, that five things that make up a high-performance team are these five, psychological safety, which means that people feel safe in that team environment, a uh, dependability so they can rely on each other, uh, this idea of structure and clarity, and also meaning and impact. And I think for us, uh, we, we really need to be um, conscious of this, that when you're talking about, now let's think about when we've got teams working from home, the ones that are spe- that are really important are that people feel safe, especially now in this time of crisis, And uh, people feel that they can depend on each other, and that they've got structure and clarity in the work they're doing, which is, you think, well, we always give people structure and clarity, but it's not as easy when they're working remotely. Now, meaning and impact are also important, but they are things that generally in a crisis, um, like you'd love to say that your uh, people have work that gives them meaning every day and that your organisation uh, has an impact on the world. But generally in a crisis, people say, let's look, let's think of those as a lower priority and let's focus on the, the immediate things in front of us. Okay. Okay, so uh, that's what Google says. How do we make that happen? In our workplaces. Now, I just want to give you a little bit, just a uh, heads up about terminology. People use the terms virtual team, remote team, distributed team. The, the term I like the best is distributed team. And that's because your team, like sometimes it's in the office, uh, there may be some team members working from home, working in an office, working from a co working center, working from a different branch, and they may all come together as a team. And I don't really like the term virtual team. It sounds like the, the people who are not in the office. Uh, like uh, uh, robots or, or, or holograms. Um, um, but the term that we're going to use today is remote team because we're talking about your team working from home. So it is like remote. And, uh, and I'm, I'm using that term deliberately because I want you to think about the fact that they are remote and that means that the team dynamics are going to change. And what we're going to talk about here are the five myths of remote teams based on the research. So there's, there are five myths and I want to show you the myths and the truths. So the the myth is more difficult to build trust, which is not true. It's more difficult to build synergy, which is not true. They feel more isolated and detached, which is only partly true. Uh, Interpersonal skills don't matter as much, which is definitely untrue, and that you can't measure and reward performance. Okay, so remember those are myths, these are not true. We're gonna go through each of them and we'll kind of debunk the myths. Today's program is not just for setting it up with the technology and the HR infrastructure, but it's about the dynamics for you and your team members um, to get into the right mindset um, to to work from home. So let's look at these five myths, okay? And we, we're not gonna go through them in any, uh, in a lot of detail in any one of them, but I want to give you some practical things in each one of them. Okay, so here's the first one. The first one, the myth, is that it's more difficult to build trust when you've got people working from home. Now, you've got an advantage here because your team have probably already been working in an office, and um, so now that they're moving to uh, working from home, they've already built up some trust. However, there's some really interesting things to be aware of and some traps and pitfalls to avoid so the the truth behind the myth of the the opposite of the myth is that you build trust differently when people are working in a remote team so the way that you build trust in an in-person team is through person-to-person, in-person social rapport. It's the the personal rapport that you have, it's the fact that, you know, kids might be going to the same school, you support the same footy team, or you um, playfully support an opposing footy team, you're in close proximity to people, so you see them every day, you greet them, and all of that social interaction that you get in um, in an office works really well uh, to build trust in an in-person team. Now, that Trust, of course, you know those same people and they're working in the remote team. So you've already built that trust, which is good. However, there are other ways that people, there are other cues that people look to for trust when people are working from home. And they look for things like, Reliability, consistency, integrity. When you say you do something, you'll do it. Responsiveness. If somebody asks, sends you an email or a, a Slack message with a request, they know how quickly you're going to respond to that. Um, so this comes back to Google's thing about saying dependability is one of the most important things for high-performance teams. It's even more important when you're working, uh, when your team is working from home. Um, and this is crucial. And many people don't recognize this. So it's really easy to have that kind of responsiveness on to to get cues from people when they're in the office so you know if I send you an email and I say look this or send, let's say a slack message because you shouldn't e- use email for urgent messages I, if I send you a slack message saying um hey Joe have you got this um have you got this report are you gonna have it to me by 10 a.m um, and I don't hear from you for five minutes if you're in the office then I can stand up walk around you know walk, maybe even walk to the other side of the building to just check in with you to see whether you've got my message that's not going to work when you're working from home so you want that responsiveness um, if I say to if, if you're expecting a report from me at 2 pm and you haven't got it by 202 or 205 then That trust is broken down because you don't know whether i've forgotten about it whether i'm going to deliver it five minutes late whether it's an hour late and because we can't see each other we're not in the same office and that level of trust just isn't there so people have to be much more dependable when you're working uh, and when you're working from home and the question is for you as well for you as a leader and manager how good are you at being able to delegate and set deadlines and set really clear expectations when you've got your team working from home because it's, it's much harder because when you're working in an office again you might set somebody a vague task to do knowing that you can check in with them or they can check in with you anytime they've got a question now it's true as well they can do that when they're working from home as well but the it's not as easy and not as comfortable and not as familiar as when they're using online collaboration tools as when they're just you know stick their head around your Um, their cubicle and and yell out to you or or vice versa and and have you built good judgment in your team members so in, in other words when they can't get in touch with you or you can't get in touch with them that they know what to do and that they're still going to make you know reasonable decisions based on the fact that you know they can't contact you. Okay, the opposite of this is like uh, this. Uh, this one example is the email courier. So I hope that you're not an email courier. The email courier is this is some is somebody who sends an email, and then five minutes later stands up and walks around to this person's desk and goes, "And uh, uh, Marianne, did you get my email?" Right, and and you can't do that. But and so and yet so many officers have that they don't call it the email courier but that they have that as part of their workplace culture that they just assume that they can wander over and have a chat to somebody if they if something breaks down and just uh, of the uncertain about something when you're working in a remote team that isn't always possible so just be aware of that okay so the second myth of uh, working with a remote team is that it's more difficult to build synergy so that the the idea that when people are aren't in the same room and um, that that is harder for them to collaborate and innovate now this might be only a temporary problem because it might be that people are only working from home for um a couple of weeks but it's something that's really important even in that couple of weeks you want people to be able to collaborate so the truth is that you create synergy more intentionally in a when your team's working remotely, because they don 't just get together the the way they naturally do when you 're working in, a, in an office, so the idea that people are wandering around having a chat with each other over coffee uh, gives people opportunities to create synergy in fact google i 'll well, talk about Google again, so Google they measure everything and they test everything uh, so Google has actually done some research into the the length of the lines at the canteen when people are lining up for lunch and uh, you know how to staff the canteen to have the optimum length of line when people are waiting to order Uh, because they figure that if the lines are too long then people aren't going to line up they'll just go to the vending machines or they'll come back at some quiet time or whatever because it'll take too long for them to get um to get served but if the lines are too short then Everyone gets served really quickly and they don't have the chance to chat to the person next to them standing in line, who might be somebody from a completely different part of the organization. And what they want to do is have the lines that are um, long enough that people, they aren't going to be uh, frustrated by them. So they're going to stand in line, have a bit of a chat with somebody standing next to them and maybe have a great idea that's going to change the world. OK, so Google does it. Google does do that uh, to try and create that synergy by chance. Now, when people are working from home, that's much harder to do. So what you do is you have to do it by choice and by design. So have more online meetings, make use of your messaging tools, and make use of virtual whiteboards and mind maps in your meetings. Um, Definitely as much as possible, have video meetings. uh, When you have your online meetings, it uh, not only... Helps to build their synergy because people see each other, but also it helps to um, break down the, that feeling of isolation for the people who feel like they're uh, they're all alone working from home. Okay, so, um, yeah, so create that synergy and you have to create that synergy intentionally. There's lots of ways of doing that and I won't go into how to do it. Just be aware that it's something that you have to do rather than something that's going to happen anyway. And in some cases, that synergy is, um, uh, working from home is actually better. So there's some research and you can look up this, um, this paper in the Harvard Business Review that says even things like brainstorming, um, which you think that works really well in a in-person environment uh, where people can see each other. But brainstorming online is actually the research shows it works better. Um, And there are a number of reasons for that, which I won't go into, but just I don't think that working from home uh, automatically downgrades the chances for for synergy and collaboration, innovation. It sometimes increases it. Okay, the third one is that The the myth is that when people work from home, they feel more isolated and detached. Now, the truth is that it's not necessarily so. It might be so for some people, but it's not true for everybody. And um, for the people who, for the organizations and teams who have already been doing this, um, you know that the people who work from home, they love it. They love their flexibility, the freedom. They don't necessarily feel isolated. They they know how to feel connected, both with the people at work and also with their family and uh, other people and friends who are close by. And um, so the, in the research shows that the, it's mixed. There are some people who will feel isolated. There's some people who won't feel isolated at all. They feel more connected. And there's some who you know, are in that neutral group. Now, obviously, in the current circumstances where people might be confined to their home, there's numbers of people who feel isolated might be a, a bigger percentage. So you do need to, do need to be aware of that and uh, look at from your point of view as a manager and leader and um, how you look after people's um, feel possible feelings of isolation so what can you do so the next question is what what can you do so you as a leader and managers so with you so one of them is keep in touch and um, this is obviously something that you want to do more of when you've got people who are um, working from home. Now, it doesn't mean that you hassle them all the time, but um, I would highly recommend that you have um, video conference calls regularly, and it might even be a daily meeting. Give, given that this is this is new, it might be that you have a daily meeting for uh, everybody on the team to get on the line and uh, have a quick catch up at the start of the day. Um, keeping in mind also that if you are used to people working from an office and now they've suddenly gone to work from home, they're already used to working in the same time zone, they already know each other, they're already familiar with each other, they know each other's faces, they don't have to introduce each other to everyone else um, the way you would if you're getting a whole bunch of strangers together for an online meeting. Okay but so it's all this is doing is keeping that human connection going. You may want to do things that'll help them, and then of course, they subsidise their personal life. And uh, you know, think about what you're going to do. So, so the, are people do people already have high speed internet, like uh, un, with unlimited data? Maybe you should um, consider whether you're going to subsidise that for them, and it might might mean that they get a Netflix subscription. Uh, maybe you pay for that. Uh, so, the things that you can do to help it, help ease that transition yeah because people are going to be stressed because the fact because they're working from home for the first time, let alone what's happening outside their four walls as well. The third thing that you can do, and even you can do this even in the short term, is give them more leadership opportunities. and this is something you should do anyway. So if you already have a team where some people are in the office and some people are working from home or working from wherever else, it's it's very easy for those those out-of-sight people to be out of mind and they feel that they don't get treated the same way, they don't get treated as as favourably, but this is an opportunity for you to give them, and when I say leadership opportunities, it might be that in the virtual, um, in the online meeting that you have, the video meeting, that you ask somebody else to present, uh, to present in the meeting, or you ask somebody else to chair the meeting, the sort of thing that, the sort of leadership opportunities you might give them in a um, in-person Context in the office, and um, you can also do uh, when they're when you're running these virtual meetings, and and maybe you want to accelerate that so that everyone gets a chance to take on some new role. And the last thing, of course, is to cut them some slack, especially at this really difficult uh, crisis time for many people and um, one of the things with virtual meetings is they're very efficient so people don't tend to turn up and spend five minutes talking uh, like just doing idle chat before you get down to the business of the meeting this might be a time where you do like you break that rule and uh, the first few minutes of the meeting is just a quick check up with everyone how are things going so uh, because we know that everyone's going through these um you know difficult situations and if people are in the office they're going to be chatting about what's going on so make sure that you provide that time that time and the space for them to do the same thing when they're in a virtual environment as well and the last thing i'll say and um, this is specifically because of what's happening at the moment with coronavirus and COVID 19 and people not knowing what the future holds for them is we're, we're really good at in in normal circumstances at knowing what's safe and unsafe Um, and we make decisions to do what's safe we avoid what's unsafe and our, our world ticks along pretty well but at the moment there's a whole bunch of unknown stuff so things that we thought were safe like shaking hands going out and chatting to people, um, gathering together in little groups, um, going to the footy, those sort of things have suddenly become potentially unsafe. And um, as a manager and leader, don't shy away from those conversations where people are feeling nervous and anxious and stressed because they're things that, are, that they thought were, they could rely on, that have suddenly become unknowns for them. Now, they could go down to the shops and there would never be an empty shelf and now they're finding that, you know, this this thing that's never happened in their lifetime where they have go to the shops and the, the, they're out of stock for, for the foreseeable future. And that's a problem. So people are going to be doing things when they're working from home, like taking more trips to the shops just to check whether they can get what they, for them, are essentials. And again, cut them some slack because we're all in this together and uh, this is what's top of mind for them, not necessarily doing their work, even though that's important. Okay the the next one, number four, is that interpersonal skills don't matter. And remember this is the myth. The myth is that You know interpersonal skills matter less and uh, especially there's this myth applies when you're hiring people just be careful that you don't hire people going well you know this person doesn't have strong interpersonal skills but they don't need it because they're going to be working from home they're not going to be interacting with the rest of the team it's exactly the wrong approach Uh, the, the truth is that interpersonal skills are more important when you've got people who Um, are working um, in an unfamiliar environment, like working from home. Um, So you think about interpersonal and intrapersonal. So people working from home have to, for themselves, have to be able to manage competing priorities. And they're not only work priorities, they are working in an environment where they're trying to get some work done. They've got kids and pets uh, in the household as well. They've got to figure out when they can go to the shops. There are all these priorities that they've got to figure out for themselves. They've got to find support networks themselves because uh, for the people who do feel isolated um, and alone, and they've got to find motivation. It's not as easy for them um, to, wake up in the morning, sit down at their laptop and go to work and be motivated for the full day. Um, In some ways, as much as people hate the daily commute, the commute gives them that opportunity to get out of home mode and switch into work mode. And if that doesn't happen uh, because you're at home all the time, it's not easy to find that motivation. And so people need those skills. They also need those skills for working with other people. You don't have as many visual cues. You have them in the video conferences the, the video meetings that you have and um, but even then they're not it's not the same as being in the same room with somebody and then the other communication which happens through email and slack and microsoft teams and whatever other systems you're using again you don't have those visual cues so uh, things like nuances of emotion and like things like sarcasm don't always translate very well so you got to be careful of that and um, people are having only intermittent contact with people we've talked about this already that you can't just wander over to somebody desk uh, whenever you want to Um, and you've got to communicate over these unfamiliar channels if you haven't already been doing it uh, often and if it's not part of your regular workspace. Okay so the last one, so the myth is that when you've got people who are working from home it's more difficult to measure and reward their performance and and actually it's not true it's actually you can do it better um, because you do it based on results not on the processes. So again, for some people, this is going to be really obvious. That uh, you go, well, d- well, duh. That's exactly what we should be doing. We should be measuring how quickly it takes them to get to the finish line, rather than um, what they did al- uh, along the run. Okay, so that's what we're talking about here. We're saying what we're looking at is measuring the results rather than the um, rather than the processes. However, that's not easy to do, and for many people, it's not natural to do it that way. And for you as a manager and leader, it might mean a big change in mindset, like it or not, many people uh, will still uh, judge everyone, uh, judge the people in their team based on they, what they see them doing. Um, on a day-to-day basis so they will see the processes that they do so they will notice who comes in late who leaves work early who has a long lunch who seems to who's on social media and whenever i walk over and look at their uh, look at their laptop okay now are those do those things matter yes but maybe not as much like what if those people were still achieving the outcomes that they were supposed to achieve Again, is it about activity and you see what they're doing and they look like they're really busy, head down, working at their laptop, typing away and they, they look really busy, or is it about the results that uh, that they achieve? Um, is it about the time that they spent or is it about the goal? And the goal that they achieve. So this is really important, right? It's natural for us to look and measure people based on what we see, rather than based on the, the outcomes, the results or the goals. But that's exactly what you want to do. You want to be able to um, judge people based on what they produce, rather than the process that they go to produce it. And then there's going to be a mix of it, but especially when people are working from home, it's a really different mindset. Uh, I've already had seen conversations on social media and uh, uh, clients asking, like, how do I know whether my people are, act, uh, are being productive or have they ducked down to Woolies to see whether they can get a roll of toilet paper? Well, the answer is um, that's the wrong question. right? That's, uh, that's not what you should be asking. Ask the question are they achieving what you ask them to achieve? Now, that doesn't mean that you can let them do free-for-all because you still want that collaboration. So there's some rules about this, um, but it's absolutely, like it's essential that your mindset is, is switched on to that. The things that you're looking for when you've got people who are out of sight, are exactly the sort of things that you want you want to measure people based on outcome results and goals and this is why people who um, organizations who are already allowing their team members to be what I call distributed teams they're already excelling because it's exactly what they, they're doing it because they have to measure their um, productivity this way and they're finding there's the right measures absolutely right okay, so here the the five myths again in summary, so remember these are myths. these are the things that are not true um you can't so let me summarize for you more difficult to build trust no uh you just build trust differently based on things like reliability and responsiveness. It's more difficult to build synergy, no, you do but you have to do that intentionally and not just assume it's going to happen. um Some people are going to feel more isolated and detached, and uh, you do need to as a leader or manager um uh, care take more care about about them especially around their um not just their physical health but their mental health and uh, help them through this but also keep in mind that is um, help them for the future as well interpersonal skills are more important and you absolutely can measure and re- reward performance provide you change your mindset around that so i reckon the three critical questions for you as a leader or manager are these so how do you include everybody and um, people who aren't here? And this is like, there's some people working from home, some people working in the office. So that's what I know that's happening with a lot of organizations in the interim where they're trialing working from home. They, they say it's um, two days a week, half the team's gonna work from home, another two days a week the other half the team's going to work from home and let's make it work okay so can you include people who aren't here can you trust people when you're not around and they're not around it's a big thing and can you reward results not activity i think if you can if you can do those three things well and uh, it doesn't have to be perfectly but at this time of crisis if you can keep those three things in mind i think you're well placed the other thing that uh, i just want to talk about briefly is uh, an idea from Chip and Dan Heath's book, Decisive. So they talk about the fact that, um, in fact, what they share are research-based strategies for making better decisions. I think one of these principles that they share is particularly valuable now. They say, especially when you're facing a lot of uncertainty, a lot of change, you don't exactly know what's around in the future, give yourself some perspective and ask yourself, what is this going to be like 10 weeks from now? 10 months from now and 10 years from now. Now, it's not only a way to relieve some of the stress and get some perspective, although I think that's a good reason in itself to do this. But the other thing it allows you to do is to ask yourself, let's say 10 months from now, your future you is going to look back at today and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful for the things that you did 10 months ago to get us to, to get me to where I'm now. So what are the decisions you made and what are the actions that you took, even in this uncertainty and this really critical situation for everybody? And what are the decisions that are going to set you up for the future? And, um, you know, some of those decisions you may already know some of them, this this little process might give you some clarity around it. And one of my favourite quotations from Benjamin Brewster in the 19th century, he said, in theory, there's no difference between theory and practice, um, but in practice there is. And I really hope that if you think, if you've got some ideas from today that uh, are going to apply when you've got your team working from home, that you put those ideas into practice now, for example, just trialling it um, now so that you don't come across unexpected problems when you actually make it um, when you when you're forced to do it um, either you or society is forced to do it. Um, as I said I run this program called leading a remote team and uh, I won't go through all the details of the program but I'll give you a, a little overview of how it works um, and I want to precede this by sharing some research from Brent Peterson at Columbia University and he was looking at um, what you need to do to make training effective So the research shows from Columbia University that to make a training program effective need to spend a quarter of the time should be spent getting people ready for it. A quarter of the time is spent in the training session, in the workshop or in the online virtual room, and then half the time afterwards embedding the learning into the workplace or into people's lives. So in other words, if you've got a one, one day training course, there should be about a day's preparation and about two days. You know, total it doesn't have to be the next two days, but two days embedding the learning. OK, so that's ideal. What do organizations actually do, though? If you look at what they spend in terms of time and money and resources, it's um, it's so skewed. They spend a tiny bit of time getting people ready for their training, spend almost all of their time. In the workshop or in the training room or in the online room. And then they, at the end of that, they go, yep, you're trained, you're ready to go. Um, and they do almost nothing afterwards. And I want to make sure that that doesn't happen, that I don't do that because I don't want any of my um, programs i I want them to have as the maximum effectiveness so all the programs including the online ones so this this program here which is all about leading a remote team and we have three of these online sessions and they run over one to two weeks depending on what uh, what suits you and then for the next three months uh, everybody who participates gets access to me by email for email coaching and maybe video conferencing coaching, as uh, video coaching as well. Um, and they get access to a an in-depth online resource centre with ongoing resources um, to help them for the next three months, which includes other presentations, but a whole bunch of other resources as well. My big last takeaway for you is, uh, it's like the Benjamin Brewster quotation, um, don't wait for um, events and circumstances to overtake us, start before you're ready. So especially if you're thinking about online, also getting your team remote, get some of this infrastructure in place there. Make sure your IT teams have thought about the IT infrastructure, make sure your HR teams have talked about, have thought about the HR and IR implications. Start before you're ready. That's that's the best way to be prepared for whatever the, the short term future brings, let alone what happens in the long term. So I hope you found that useful, and if you're looking at leading a team that's working from home for the first time, I hope you've got some really useful, practical things that you can take away and put into practice right now. If you'd like to know more about the programs that I run, especially the online programs, then go to Gihan's programs.com and you can find out about my program I mentioned about leading a remote team you can also find out about my program about uh, presenting online and you can also find out some of the other services that I offer to help you make sure that learning and development continues to happen for your team members even when they're working from home and even at this time of crisis because we're all going to come out at the end of it and when this crisis passes you do want to make sure that at the end of it you've got still a strong loyal supportive motivated team and learning and development during this time is not just something that's useful but it's essential so so go to gihansprograms.com and you can find out more about those online programs if you if you'd like to have access to some of my other resources then please go to gihanperera.com i hope you stay safe and well i'll see you in the future For show notes, past episodes, and more, visit gihanperera.com. And remember, great minds don't think alike.